You're listening to Look at My Records. I'm your host, Tom Gallo, and this is episode 166. This edition of the podcast features an interview with Brooklyn indie folk artist Juliet Quick. Earlier this month, she released her latest EP, Glass Years on Substitute Scene Records. Across its five songs, Quick strings together dense arrangements and peers both inward and gazes outward to analyze impending global catastrophe, self-doubt, the impact of antiquated gender roles in relationships, wanting to feel hopeful for the future, and more. During our interview, we chatted all about Glass Years, including how this EP compares to her last release, Changelings, which was more of a concept record, what it was like working with producer Rick Spataro, the relationship between time and glass that she explores at several points throughout the EP, and the inspiration behind several of the tracks. Plus, Juliet tells us about her background as an opera singer, how she originally started writing songs on a ukulele, and more. She also picked some excellent records from my record collection, including one from her friends and label mates Verdi Girls, Kate Bush, Lomelda, and more. We'll dive into our interview right after the jump. If you're interested in hearing more episodes of Look at My Records, they're available on all streaming platforms. Please remember to rate, review, like, and subscribe on your platform of choice. I also encourage you to check out the Look at My Records website where you can find reviews, premieres of new music, playlists, and a whole lot more. Check it out at lookatmyrecords.com. Right, I'm here with Juliet Quick for this episode of Look at My Records. Her new EP, Glass Years, is out now on Substitute Scene Records. Congratulations. It's a beautiful, awesome EP. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for uh, wanting to talk to me about it. Oh, of course. Yeah, I have a lot of questions about the EP. But first, I'll just ask, how have you been? How's the last year been for you? It is a weird time for everyone, but particularly for musicians. How'd you adapt to the circumstances surrounding the pandemic? Yeah, it's been extremely weird. It's wild that it's been almost a year now. And like on one hand, it feels like hard to remember anything before. And on the other, like it seems like so recently that it was March 2020. I feel like I have adapted in the way that most humans just seem really good at adjusting to whatever new normal they're presented with. I went really strict crazy in the beginning and sometimes I still do, but for the most part, I'm pretty good at being by myself um, and I live alone. I really miss playing shows. I honestly have not written very much music in the past year. It feels like part of that part of my brain has just kind of sh shut down a little bit. Yeah. Um, which I think is okay. I think that that is the part of my brain that um, is where like, <laughs> like, like panic and um, other big feelings live. Um, and I just kind of can't get in there right now. Yeah. Um, I think and still kind of maintain. Um, so it's nice to be able to put put this music out and like kind of have a connection to that and feel like I'm still like 
participating in this part of my life in whatever capacity I can right now. Yeah, it's a great EP. Before we dive into it, though, tell us a little bit about your beginnings as a songwriter for anyone who may not be familiar with your background. So I started writing songs pretty late, I think, for mo- like most people. I was probably like like 18 or 19 when I started writing songs. I'd been singing uh, mostly classical music, opera, um, for a few years before that. Well, I'd, I've been singing forever, um, but I'd been training um, for a few years and went to college wanting to study that and got pretty fed up with the kind of structures around that um, pretty quickly. And once I stopped doing that, I really needed kind of another outlet for singing. And I was also studying poetry. Um, That's another thing I've done forever is written poems. So it was pretty natural that those things would meet eventually. And I started playing the ukulele because it was easy. I felt certain that I wouldn't be able to play the guitar um, which has turned out not to be true. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, just started and did not stop. What, what was that like starting out writing songs on the ukulele? What kind of songs were you writing initially? Cause I did read that, that you didn't start with the guitar when you wrote your first songs. Um, it was, it was much easier and, um, less intimidating. I think I have a lot of the like kind of, frustrating hesitations about the guitar that a lot of young women do of being made to feel and I also think I have a a fear of always being behind and also very small hands um so I was (laughs) me too (laughs) I was like I just like had this feeling that I wasn't going to be able to do it but the ukulele was very small and very unintimidating and I started writing songs that were like very simple and kind of allowed me to learn the kind of structures I wanted to build without too much kind of physical, technical struggle. And so that was a nice, nice intro. Yeah, I read you were an opera singer originally, which seems very different from writing and playing folk songs. You mentioned that there's a lot of structure to it. Are there still things that you learned from that period musically that you take with you or still uh, turn to as a songwriter? Well, I think you never really forget like how to use your voice in that way. I miss that sometimes. Just I think the kind of the kind of music that I write actually like doesn't have I don't make a lot of use of, of the kind of singing that I that I did when I was singing opera. But you really learn how to control your voice and where your voice lives in your body in a, in a way that like you don't get if you're just kind of singing intuitively. You learn how to think about your voice um, and like kind of be able to rely on it a little more. And like that's something that I think I've I've kept. And even if I've gotten out of practice at various points in time, there are things where things that kind of allow me to check in with myself and like use my voice in my body in that way. It's probably also freeing in a creative sense to detach yourself from those kind of structures, sort of, and things that were rigid that you learned. Yeah, I actually, like, I always loved the singing. I always loved the music. I didn't always love the people. I had a really wonderful voice teacher when I was 
uh, before I went to college. And then when I went to college, a lot of the fun kind of fell out yeah. of it. And there's so much seriousness and so much like kind of pretension and uh, just a sense of everything has been, everything has already been done in, in a certain sense. And I think that just like, it just, it's, it stopped being fun a lot of the time. Yeah. And music is supposed to be fun. Among other things. So I know you previously performed under a different moniker. Why'd you decide to change your name? So I used my my last initial of my actual last name when I first started making music because I didn't really put a lot of time into thinking about like a stage name or what I wanted to release my music under. I knew that I didn't want to use my last name because, I don't know, it felt, it's like awkward to pronounce. But I was kind of just releasing music quickly and didn't think about it that much. So I used my initial. And then when I started to record new music later, that was kind of slower going and that I was kind of approaching more deliberately, I started to think more intentionally about like what I wanted to call myself. And also just the, the functional aspect of using an initial is that it's kind of awkward to write, particularly if like you're in a situation where someone is writing about your music or you have to write about yourself and then like you want to use your last name and it sounds awkward <laughs> when it's just yeah. an initial. So I just, yeah, wanted something that felt good to say and felt good to write. And I think I'm happy enough. Yeah, I dig it. Julia Quick, full <laughs> stage name for sure. Thanks. So Glass Years is out now. It's your first release in a few years. Your last EP, Changeling, also really great. It's more of a concept album, that EP. It told this story that was split into three parts, Changeling part one, part two, and part three. Uh, so it's kind of like a, t a totally different thing compared to Glass Years. So with that in mind, what was your mindset as far as what you wanted to do with the songs on this EP? These songs were not kind of written in a, like, they were not written as a whole in a certain yeah. way. Um, basically, they were just songs that I was writing one at a time, and after a while I had enough of them. And I was kind of just trying to not try as hard as I had with the, I think I kind of got in my own way. Not not to say that I, I like I think that there's still a lot of interesting stuff in that music and stuff that I'm I'm proud of, but I definitely made it harder for myself than I think I really needed to because of these kind of weird standards that I had for like what my songwriting needed to be and what would make my music worthwhile for, for other people to listen to. And and I feel like with this record I just stopped I just was really trying to stop holding myself to that standard and just trying to communicate in the best way that I could, even if it was a lot simpler. What, what was that standard that you referred to? Because Changeling is really great and it's, you know, really tells this interconnected story between the three different songs, which are each about, I guess, five minutes-ish long. I know it was part of like a project on the Hudson River. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, so I started writing, uh, well, I was writing a series of, of like, a, I guess, a chapbook of poems uh, 
when I was an undergraduate, I was studying poetry and this was my like senior thesis was kind of these research-based poems about the Hudson River. Um, it was a lot about ecology and history and I had basically kind of material that didn't fit in there that ended up fitting into these songs. And so a lot of that kind of mindset is in there. Part of the reason that I was doing this like research-based chapbook was this was like an assignment that I had been given a couple years earlier by a professor that I ended up just really liking and sticking with. She basically required all of, of her students in a certain workshop to write at least four poems that were research-based that integrated information because so much of what people produce, especially when they're like young and starting out is just really internal and really can end up feeling kind of navel gazy and like it doesn't like unrigorous in a certain yeah. way. Um, and so I really, that was something that I really felt was important was to be like writing about the world from a place of curiosity and rigor and I really wanted to put that into the music also, even if it was in a kind of a more abstract way. So there are a couple of things going on in that EP. There's kind of like a mythology aspect of it. And there's like a couple layers of metaphor um, and a lot of pretty heavy arrangements um, and more complicated orchestration because I was trying to be very intentional about every aspect of it, which... I think in some ways like made something really interesting, even if it's a little more, a little more difficult to access, I think, than the stuff that I'm doing now. Yeah, it's cool. It sounds really ambitious and, and very specific too. Uh, definitely a specific way to approach that particular uh, set of songs. Yes, it was uh, <laughs> definitely like, definitely very specific. A lot of, um, there were, yeah, just... There was a lot of, it was very cerebral. Um, yeah. And I think that what I'm trying to do now is a lot less cerebral in a particular way. Yeah, totally. I can, uh, I see what, definitely see what you're saying with that. And now, Glass Years, uh, you wrote some of the songs on Glass Years during what you described as the worst period of your life. <laughs> is it difficult for you to revisit what you were going through uh, when you hear these songs now? And what comes to mind when you listen to them? Um, no, I, I feel like I'm like all things considered, like in my own life, like pretty happy and just in my own like mental health, aside from like, you know, the crushing weight of the pandemic, etc. Yeah. Um, I also think that I just, I don't know, I think for better or for worse, I'm like a, a very... I'm an open person, um, and so I talk about things. <laughs> and I've like talked about this was at at this point about two years ago. Yes, would have been two years ago that I wrote some of these songs that I was very depressed, and there was a lot of kind of situational stuff going on. I was coming out of a really bad relationship that had taken up the entire first half of my twenties, and. A lot of those songs were written even actually during that. So I feel like at this point, 
it's really like, I, I feel like I'm not really living inside of them anymore, which is, I think, part of maybe the point of, of writing yeah. a song. I feel like sometimes when I'm going through something and I a song does come out of it, which it doesn't always, and it isn't always a good one, but every once in a while you're like having the really shitty time and you write the song, and at least in my experience, like kind of just, I will just play that song over and over and over again like in that period of time when I'm going through it and then it kind of crystallizes into something that is like kind of contains the experience and also is separate from it and like I think that helps helps process things in a certain way but also just you know it lets it lets the music become its own thing it's not like it's not a vector yeah totally and it's interesting because it's really captures what it seems like a specific time in your life all five songs yeah <laughs> yeah um it i think they were they were written all within about a, a year of each other i would say yeah and circles is the first song and the first single from the ep you described it as a song about uh letting yourself exist what do you mean by that and what were you trying to convey through the song i think kind of what i was a similar thing to what I was saying about like the process of writing these songs versus the process of writing my older music, just like interrogating yourself less, yeah. allowing yourself to move through the world without being inside your head as much, or like just accepting the way it is inside your head um, to a certain, to a certain extent. Um, and like, yeah, I guess just like looking at things and saying that okay, this is where I'm at right now. Um, maybe it sucks, but this is where, <laughs> this is where I'm at. Yeah, I really liked the the final refrain in that song where you're asking, "Do you know yourself?" It felt like it was really powerful, almost like you're trying to let go of that preoccupation with knowing yourself, sort of. Yeah, um, it's funny because I think that there's. Yeah, I don't know if it's a useful question. <laughs> I don't know if that's the thing is I really don't know if it's a useful question even. Do you think you know yourself? Um, I think I do, actually. <laughs> um, and I think that was actually... Yeah, like, it, it's actually like kind of a, like a self-comforting thing. Um, and I think that I say that a bunch in the song and then it kind of questions itself at the end but I think that is like kind of true throughout the song the line um I say like at, at least I know myself or at least you know yourself yeah um yeah at like worse comes to worse whatever is going on if there is a certain comfort in at least knowing yourself <laughs> yeah totally I love the line, don't listen to the crust punks, they have no coherent <laughs> politics. How'd you come up with that line? That was the line that, in addition to, do you think you know yourself repeating that, that line also stood out to me because I thought it was kind of funny and tongue-in-cheek almost. Yeah, that one's a crowd pleaser. It's, it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, people, people laugh when, when I play that at live, which is really nice. I had i think part of it comes out it's just like i feel like a lot of the song was just walking around um and like i lived Observing, in williamsburg yeah. and i have 
a, a habit of just like, at least at the time, I was doing a lot of just like aimless walking. Um, and there were a handful of people that I would encounter sometimes, especially under the BQE, um, who I had a couple of like uh, confrontational interactions with. I think I have a habit of taking on like, I've got, I'm kind of assuming that other people are right. Um, and yeah, having a lot of anxiety mean. about, um, like kind of like doing my life in like the, like the right, like the most ethical way. And I think that there actually is a lot about like crust life, like traveling, that kind of like traveling culture that is really interesting actually, like when it is deliberate sometimes it is sometimes it isn't but i know that there are a lot of people who like very intentionally like live in transit and don't own things for the most part and actually like are extremely generous in in giving things to other people when they need them with like the belief that it will come back to them when they're the person who needs it I think that is very cool, but I also think there is a less sophisticated version of that, that basically I think it's just, I was like an actual real instance of trying to remind myself um, that the people, the most confrontational people are not always correct. Interesting. Um, yeah. And that I don't need to, <laughs> I don't need to actually like, like question myself or like, like doubt um doubt the ethics of my life choices based on the most like confrontational people i encounter yeah, I, uh, that really rings true to me i feel like i'm the same way you know i'm not very confrontational so i feel that for sure um yeah i just uh i this is why i have to stay off twitter as sometimes yes. too um because yeah. i'm constantly being like oh no like am i like am i bad like like, um, here are all of the ways in which I could be, like, being immoral. And, like, I, then I just think about it all the time. Um, I just think all the time about, like, the different things that I should be doing in my life and the different ways that I should be living my life to do it more morally or as morally as possible. And I think that that is actually paralyzing and unhelpful. Totally. Hey, I just want to say we're both good people. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> that's a big that's a big statement but i appreciate it <laughs> um no future another great track on the ep i like how it blends these two topics together climate change and gender roles in relationships kind of on the surface don't really seem super interconnected but you're able to blend them together well in that song how'd you wind up pairing those two together lyrically oh just by living. Um, <laughs> I think that, I think like mostly this song is just about climate change and then like everything is filtered through an experience of gender, which I was really hyper aware of. At, like, as I mentioned, like coming out of, I was coming out of a relationship in which I think I was doing a lot of really fucked gendered labor and in particular i was with a person who was like 
Like emotionally, you mean? Yeah. Um, emotionally, domestically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I was with a person also who was really like had a lot of like fear and a lot of anxiety about climate change. And like so much of my experience um, was like mitigating this person's anxiety and like kind of trying to like kind of like talk this person through their spiraling about say they it's he it's a man his spiraling about feeling that the feeling like the world was ending and like nothing mattered and I really did not ever let myself feel that way while I was in that relationship because I simply could not because like I was very focused on like keeping the, keeping this person afloat and then when that ended it was kind of a free-for-all and I think I felt my own panic for the first time in a long time like I wasn't preoccupied with dealing with this person managing this person's emotions so I think I was actually kind of feeling it for myself for the first time in a long time yeah, there's also this really stark contrast in the mood of the song sonically when compared with the lyrics. I think the best example of that is the chorus when you're kind of brightly singing, there is no future, which is definitely a dark kind of bleak line. Was that deliberate? Is there any meaning behind that contrast? Yeah, I would say it's deliberate. Um, I I think that also... I, yeah, I don't know. I think just like the only way to like get through the the feeling is to make it a little bit funny. And yeah, that that's really it. I think like the contrast is really is really about is about humor and like like that's what like I think humor is kind of what lets us get out of paralysis sometimes. Yeah, totally. And I guess like what this would be a completely miserable song to listen to if it wasn't a little bit fun. <laughs> yeah. And it is definitely a fun song. Cause it's not just my misery, you know, it's everybody's. Yeah. It's a shared misery. Um, it's one thing to sing a sad song about like your own, uh, sing a sad song about your own life that maybe a person can relate to and they can like kind of access your pain a little bit, but they're not like, Oh yeah, this is my sad life. Um, but when you're writing about like, climate doom it's everyone's sad life um, <laughs> that's a really good way to put it i didn't think of it like that <laughs> but that that's very very true and we might as well in commiserating about it maybe you know look at it a little differently for sure speaking of bad relationship breakup lose me seems to be a song very much about processing a breakup. Tell us a little bit about that track. Yeah, um, it is. I think it is really the only straightforward kind of like relationship song, breakup song um, on the EP. I think it actually is a lot about what I kind of described with No Future, just the experience of being like ending up emotionally responsible for somebody else and kind of the gendered dynamic of that in the context of my relationship at least where it felt like I was this person's therapist and nurse and babysitter and housekeeper that's no good no 
<laughs> and I th this is a great example of, I think, what you're able to achieve sonically on this EP, too. You know, it sounds very, very lush, and there's a lot going on. So I'm curious about what what was the recording process of this like? Did you did you record this at home or did you did you go to a studio? Um, I went to Albany uh, to record this stuff with uh, Rick Spataro, who plays his his music. Um, his project is called Onlyness, and then he also plays in Florist. Cool. And he produced and engineered the whole EP. Um, and so I would like go up to Albany for like a week at a time and we would record things and then I would go back and we would record more things. It was a, it was a really nice experience. He added so much to this record and he, he played a lot of instruments like all over it. He's a very talented dude. And I think it was like perhaps like the easiest recording experience I've ever had. That's really amazing. How'd you connect with him? Had you worked with him previously or was there something of his that you heard that he worked on and you thought, hey, I want to reach out to this person and work with them? I, I, someone sent me his album and I listened to it. We actually, we were playing a show together. That's, I was booking a show and someone sent me his music as like a person that I might want to book the show with. And then while we were in the process of doing that, he was like advertising the fact that he had studio time free and that he was doing this thing. And I was like, yes, absolutely. That is what I need. Uh, yeah. I think he just has, I like, I think he has a great ear and I loved the production on his album. So it felt like just an exciting person to work with. Cool. What was it like of recording basically somewhere outside of you know where you typically spend your day-to-day -day life i know artists do like to do that separate themselves from their surroundings does do you feel like that changed the sound of the ep at all or yeah i think that i need that um because i i don't i also like i hate recording myself i find it so frustrating and like being in someone else's space where they are like the expert on what needs to happen and like how everything works allows me, I think, to focus a lot more on the parts that I'm good at. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Sometimes it's good to just split up what you need to do instead of thinking of every single thing that needs to be done. Yeah, because there's just some things I'm not good at. Um, I'm not an engineer. Um, and like, I would love to learn more about that stuff and get better at it. Um, but I think like in the process of like producing this EP, there were like ways in which my energy would like really added more when it was directed in other ways than fumbling over that kind of thing. The Tooth, great song. You wrote it a couple of years ago. I saw this great video of you playing it on YouTube for an interview live session type of thing. And that was from 2018. So I was yes. just curious, how, how's the song changed uh, since you originally wrote it? Um, I wrote it alone. I played it on the ukulele. Um, I st still essentially play it on the guitar as if it is a ukulele. Like I put the capo up high and I'm just playing on the top four strings 
And I think that really this one was super organic. Like it evolved by playing it live over the course of several years. It was, it ended up being like much higher energy than I ever thought it would be, but I think it really works. Yeah. Um, and that's in large part because of my drummer, um, Philip Joy, uh, who is amazing. Really like the way that I wrote a lot of these songs, I, the way that I write most things is by myself in my room, like chord structure, lyrics, melody, and then bring it to the band and, um, like the thing kind of takes shape as as we like figure out how we want to play it together it's a very personal powerful song you discuss this specific traumatic incident that happened to you how's your relationship with that song changed over time and what's it like playing uh, such a personal song now um i think all songs are personal it doesn't really feel different in that way um, than anything else if anything, I think my relationship to this song is much more like the things that I think about with this song are much more about the sound and the composition because it, I think, is a really kind of, I think it's a real meeting point in a certain way between kind of what I used to do and and like what I'm doing now, the, the more simple stuff versus the more orchestral stuff. I feel like it really sounds like me and it's like I think it was I, I feel pleased with how I was able to kind of incorporate some of the more orchestral stuff and the traditional folk instrumentation that kind of thing into kind of a more organic and like more accessible structure yeah and that it, it feels like it feels like a good combination of impulses and I think, like, kind of it's one of the more interesting, like, guitar parts that I play. Like, a lot of what I play is really simple. And then, like, I'm just kind of, you know, keeping keeping the thing going. And then, like, my friends who are much more talented instrumentalists are playing really interesting things around me. But I, I, I give myself some little riffs here <laughs> that uh, I feel good about. Yeah, I think it's just, like, I think like from a compositional standpoint it's like one of the more unusual songs on the ep yeah totally like it a lot it's a great song the ep ends with bright with belief a more hopeful song uh was that important for you to end the ep with a song that's a little more hopeful in tone uh, after you go through kind of more emotional heavy lifting in the first four songs yes definitely <laughs> that was very intentional although it's funny when i was a thousand years ago planning a set list and kind of talking it through with a friend of mine i was saying like oh i think like I, i'd like to finish with this song because i think it's like kind of a happy song and she's like that is not a happy song <laughs> like that is like that that is a sad song, um, but, but it's I wanting like, to be happy though. Yeah, That's kind it's of a like wanting to be happy it. song, yeah. and it's a it's a believing that one can be happy yes. song. Yeah, that is important for me because I believe that I think things are worth it. Yeah, I like to not leave everybody bummed out as much as possible, whenever possible. Yeah, great way to end the EP. So. Glass and Time seem to be connected on the EP. Glass Years is the title, which merges Glass and Time. 
and it comes up a few times uh, in the songs like on circles there's a line time doesn't pass it grows thick as frosted glass and on bright with belief i noticed you sing i rode my life as a wave once i grew it as a tree and now i wilted in stained glass uh, so you can look through and you'll see i think is what you say in the last line what do you see as the metaphorical relationship between uh glass and time you know it definitely was not like like thought through when writing it like i don't know if these things never are but i think like from kind of instinctual place like you know glass or at least like a window like acts as kind of a transparent barrier between like the place that you're in and the next the next place and i think there's a way in which like what i'm doing in some of these songs is trying to kind of conceptualize time for myself in a way that's like as if time was visible in the way that space is visible and i think that the song kind of acts as a partition kind of like a window does kind of like this transparent partition between the present and the future, future. or the past it's like yeah it, it's like it, 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 i think it kind of creates um a sense of visibility um like there's this veil um in between the past and the present or the future and the present um and like the different ways that glass appears in those songs i guess is is like you know different ways of like like conceptualizing like like a physical idea of time like i think it's like the there's like a real it's like a pretty straightforward metaphor i think and what i mean like when i what i mean in that especially in circles that it grows thick as frosted yeah. glass um it's it's like very literal <laughs> in a certain way um which is to say that like time builds upon itself and like when things are not good sometimes or even when they are i guess this is just the nature of experience to a certain point um things become clouded like the way that you see things see things or don't is through the many layers of experience of living through time that kind of collect on on the lens through which you view things yeah totally really powerful uh couple of lines there that uh the one in bright with belief great verse probably one of my favorites on the holy thanks Fish. it's actually that line is um i weld it weld it in stained glass ah welded in stained glass like which is i think a, another big theme that i ended up putting on this ep a lot without realizing it um which is like kind of um songs being objects of time do you have a favorite song on the record? I think probably Circles. I think that's one of those songs where um, I feel like, oh no, like, what if I can't do it again? <laughs> and then I think, I don't know, there, I, I, you know, you go through phases, um, especially like I try not to listen to my own stuff too often because, you know, the sound of one's own voice. But, uh, you know, I think I'm sure that will change 
over time. Um, you know, there are things that I really love on, on all of them. How'd you link up with Substitute Scene Records? One of my favorite labels in Brooklyn. Emily is a wonderful person. Yes, definitely my favorite label in Brooklyn. <laughs> um, and Emily is amazing. I'm like so super grateful to her. Um, uh, I have been friends with Catherine Wolk of Verdi Girls for a long time. We actually met in poetry class and the poetry class that I was talking about earlier. She also wrote some research-based poems. Um, she was one of my first friends in New York and like became like a really good music friend. Um, we played a lot of shows together. Um, and yeah, she's, she's one of my favorite musicians in New York and has been extremely helpful to me. And when I finished mastering this EP, I was like, God damn it. I have to like do something with this and like send it to people and I really don't want to do it alone and she put me in touch with Emily who is as you said just a wonderful person and a great listener and I like felt felt a, a draw to to the thing um, awesome Emily we love you <laughs> we do all right so it's coming to that time we're gonna play some songs from Juliet's brand new EP, Glass Years. We're going to hear the two singles, which are also the first two tracks on the EP, Circles and No Future. And then we're going to play The Tooth, since we talked about it at length. And everyone, of course, you can get this EP via julietquick.bandcamp.com. Don't know what to do with myself lately I'm not that driven Funny how everyone else seems to have an opinion I've seen the bath before but now it's melting Just you 
Okay, everybody, we just heard three tracks from my guest, Juliet Quick's brand new EP, Glass Years. We heard the lead single, Circles, followed by No Future. And the fourth track on the EP, The Tooth. Again, everyone, the EP is out now via the great Substitute Scene Records, and you can get it at julietquick.bandcamp.com. Starting now, with Juliet picked some records from my record collection. Lanker We're going to talk about them. New album songs. One of the most recent records that I purchased and very popular album of recent guests on Look at My Records. Sure. So you're not alone. And it mm-hmm. for good reason, because this is a great album. Yeah, it's so good. It's so fucking good um she's so good uh, i listen to that all that album just all the time she is such a smart songwriter um and her voice is so beautiful yeah and i think she does like yeah i i don't know how intelligently i can talk about this song without just like just you know gushing but i the questions about emptiness that she's she's asking tell me about your nature maybe i've been getting you wrong it's it just it's it's so good it's so good she has a great voice she has a really good guitar player yes she is very good and her songs are especially on this record sparse in a way that's very powerful yes yeah she really does not need much Next, one of the great records released in like the last 20 years, and it was it only came out last year. <laughs> Fetch the Bold Cutters by Fiona Apple, song from that record called Ladies. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely one of the best albums of the past 20 years, I think. And also, like, thank God for that album coming out when it did. Like, we all really needed, needed something it, yes. to do. <laughs> yeah and like it was just it there's so much there to think about in a point in time when we all really needed things to think about i know i did i listened to that album like like so much um in in the weeks after it came out and it really took up a lot of space in my mind which i'm really grateful for um and i think ladies aside from being a really catchy song is one of the songs on the record where she talks about like competition between women and like trying to like dissolve this like really unnecessary animosity like especially between women who have like been in romantic relationships with the same men yeah she's just like she's such a brilliant like observer of social dynamics and i think that's like really present in this song um yeah just she is like absolutely like brutal and merciless in her like examination of herself and then like really generous in her descriptions of others. Yeah. Are you a long time Fiona Apple fan? Yeah. Um, I'm like really not like in a, an encyclopedic listener of anything. Like I feel like I really attach to the things that I like and then listen to them 
over and over again. So I feel like I'm not especially knowledgeable about like her entire body of work, but I definitely have been um, listening to, there's like some of her music that I've listened to a lot, a lot. Yeah, because she was so insightful from a very young age yes. when she gave that speech at the VMAs, This World is Bullshit. Yeah. She was only 18 years old. It's so hard to believe because when I, that happened, I was so young and I remember it. And I'm thinking, oh, this this lady, that's such a powerful statement as like a yeah. however old I was. And then you get older and you realize, oh, wow, she's only like 18. That's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, she's like, yeah, she's like one of the true, one of the true geniuses, I think. One line it said, I don't know if I'm coming across, but I'm really trying. She was very kind. Next up, your friends, Verdi Girls, that you mentioned earlier, White Magic slash Black Magic off of Small Moves, released on Substitute Scene <laughs> Records. Yes, an incredible album. This song, I was so happy when it um, got released, when the recording was released on this album, because I had been hearing them play it live for so many years, and it has been one of my favorite songs for a very long time. I think the strings are so catchy and Catherine is just like one of my favorite producers. These like soundscapes that she builds for herself um, are like endlessly impressive to me. And it is just like a, I think like brilliant, spooky, fun, sad song. It's a really beautiful song. Their, their songs are all very uh, gorgeous and great use of strings as well. Uh, same with Julia Quick songs, both have great <laughs> use of strings. My use of strings, I will credit to um, Nathan Camel, who is my violinist and longtime collabor collaborator. We've been playing together for like five years, maybe more at this point, probably five. Um, and he is the person I have been like really writing music most closely with for the longest. Awesome. Nathan, you rule. Verdi Girls. You also rule. Next up, Lomelda. Thanks, THX song called Interstate Vision. Love this band. This is their not their most recent record, the record before that, because I saw them on this tour that they came to played in Jersey City, where where I live, and they were awesome. Yeah, um, this song is. I find this song like weird. This is one of those songs I'm like, why is this song so sexy? Um, but it is. It's an extremely sexy song, and I'm not sure why. Um, and their voice is just like. Like, it reminds me of Emmylou Harris almost at certain points, which I think it's a really interesting combination um, of this, like, it seems like this music definitely grew out of kind of the bedroom 
pop bedroom punk scene um, that uh, was really flourishing for a time in Brooklyn um, some years ago when some venues existed like Shea Stadium yeah. and uh, Palisades, etc. Um, and uh, then at the same time, like this just really, really powerful, like almost like folk country vocal style um, that I really love and that I think kind of makes it hit deeper um, than some of that stuff from kind of a similar scene. I saw an angel fly Next, Body by Julia Jacqueline off of Crushing. It's cool because this record, she totally kind of goes into some of the topics that we had talked about that are touched upon on your EP a little bit, like uh, gender roles and things like that. And she's, you know, really critical of it across this whole album. Yeah, I think she's like an incredibly smart songwriter. Um, I think. Like, I really wish that I had it. It actually, like, I didn't find this, I didn't hear this album for the first time until um, a couple of, like, maybe like, like almost like eight months after, like, my breakup. Um, but I, a lot of the stuff that she's, like, describing. She just in there. I think I really would have. It would have been cool to have it um, yeah. in in those early in those early days because she just like is also just like such a like sharp um, lyricist. She like just writes. She just like writes the relationship dynamics so so well, and body like in. In, in particular, like, feels so specific um, in a way that makes it kind of more accessible, I think. Um, you can imagine exactly this, this person who she's talking about. And, yeah, it's just, like, it's, it's so complicated and just complex and sophisticated and, like, wildly smart, um, in addition to being, like, extremely beautiful and catchy. Yeah, great songwriter. Also, I basically love everything musically that comes out of Australia, particularly <laughs> Melbourne. So shout out to Julia Jacqueline. We had to fly back home. Never got the money back for that weekend. Right there on the Sydney tarmac, to my and then last Kate Bush off of Hounds of Love Cloud Busting and what a unique singing voice so distinct and amazing yeah 
Kate Bush, also one of the great geniuses. Um, and I love this song for its like absolute earnest weirdness in that like it's just about like she read this book like that was a memoir of this guy writing about his father and then just like completely inhabited this persona um and uh, i admire kate bush for so many things one like incredible singer incredible producer incredible songwriter and also just like wildly like brave in her like earnestness and ability to like throw herself into something completely fucking weird um with like very like what comes across at least as like very little self self criticism or like um inhibition um i think it is so powerful yeah for sure she was just a little boy in that video did you watch that video she's just she decided I'm gonna be I'm gonna play the little boy in this, in this video, and then she <laughs> I've did it. Never seen this video. I'm gonna watch it immediately. Oh, it's after good. We're done it's talking. really important. Um, yeah, it's like Donald Sutherland plays her father, and um, she is a little boy in overalls and a red wig, um, and it is just astonishing. Well, that's part of my homework now. I'm going to watch that immediately after because it sounds I'm excited amazing. for you. We're coming to the end of this episode. Such a wonderful time chatting with my guest, Juliet Quick, everyone. Her new EP, Glass Years, is out now via Substitute Scene Records. You can get it at julietquick.bandcamp.com. Of course, also available on all streaming platforms as well but get it on Bandcamp. that's the place to get Please. it Ju- juliet thank you so much for being here it was a pleasure thank you um it was so wonderful talking to you all right everyone we're gonna close with a song we talked about earlier bright with belief